0: And we're like, why don't we tell people about it? Because we would, we would post online occasionally stuff about our games. And we get a lot of questions. How did you make this campaign? How did you play this character? What do you mean you wrote this, this new rule for the game? And we always tell people, look, they're just rules that you can supersede, right? So you t- go back to playing poker, right? You, everybody has house rules for playing card games, right? In your house. Same thing goes for any role-playing game. You can come up with some house rules, or you can come up with some extra rules or something like that. And so- We just figured it makes sense to maybe teach people how to play better because it's not about the rules. It's about what you get out of it. And so that's where the Goblin's Corner came about. We just focused on the thematics right? how to really if you're playing a horror campaign, how do you really like beef up the tension versus you're doing a fast and loose kind of fun campaign where everybody's just make cracking jokes and breaking the fourth wall.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. We are getting off the Bruce train today, though I'm sure he will come up as he always does. And we are on a comedy train, a podcast train. Should we call it Silver Streak? How are you doing, Eric? I'm doing quite well. How are you? I am great. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, tell us a about yourself. My name is Eric
0: Holden. I am one part of the two-part duo of The Goblin's Corner, and it is a podcast which specifically talks about tabletop role-playing games or TTRPGs, storytelling, and how to basically, if you're going to tell a story or play a game or something like that, how to run one successfully, how to create a character that's really interesting for your game and honestly just to have fun how to have a lot of fun playing games
1: Mm -hmm. oh that sounds fun what so I always like to start at the beginning and normally because this is a music podcast we start with what kind of music were you listening to as a child but I'll flip it a little bit today and were you did you grow up in a family of gamers What did you as a family play a lot of games? I grew up playing a lot
0: of games later on. Interestingly enough, I I do love music, by the way, and we can certainly talk about that.
1: Yeah, we will certainly talk about that, yes.
0: But I did grow up in the Nintendo age, and... From there, branched out into tabletop games. Dungeons and Dragons is a great example of something that I've played, but also stuff like Shadowrun and GURPS, all the White Wolf games. In fact, when I was in college, White Wolf was really big and they are based in my right outside my city as well. So Mm -hmm. it was just being around at the time, playing a lot of those types of storytelling games. And from there, it was just something that we did for fun, my friends and I, and Actually we started the podcast because of the pandemic because I do improv as well I'm a comedian and when you can't do improv you've got to have an outlet for something and we talk about D&D all the time on my back porch it just naturally progressed into something where we could help other people talk about D&D on their back porch
1: Yeah So I may mean, get into that but since you mentioned what kind of music were you listening to growing up
0: Growing up we didn't listen to a whole lot my dad was one of those kind of people who was very strong military background he wanted a quiet house, a very organized house. And so my exposure to music mostly was when we got we finally got cable and I started listening to MTV. If you remember when they used to play music, I don't know if they still do anymore.
1: <laughs> that is that is a common joke, but only because it's true. Yes, yeah. ab- absolutely. So they're not a lot of music on the stereo, on the car trips. Were you guys not listening to music or
0: some, but definitely like when I was able to buy my own music, I definitely got more into music. I also have what is known as synesthesia, which mine specifically exhibits as I can see particular sounds. And so it'll come out as like colors and patterns. And so oh, interesting! my musical tastes are very eclectic now, but over the years, I've listened to a whole genre of different musics, anything from punk rock to cinematic stuff to electronic to some jam bands and stuff like that as well Mm -hmm. and of course like some good old 80s music as well
1: yeah when you say that do you i've never heard of this so talk to me a little bit more so unlike like i hear music i might have images in my head Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit more what this is it's similar to that there's
0: various different types of synesthesia some people can smell colors for example and some people can I don't know. Hear the touch of something. Like sometimes they say the fabric is too loud, for example. And it's it. I think people say it's like a crisscrossing of your wires, or maybe it could also be drug use. Who knows? But it, mm-hmm. the point is, is that mine, my particular one, exhibits it as more of anything I listen to. Specific music will often evoke very vivid colors and patterns and imagery and. To the point where if it's something that's really intense, I can't drive a car. I have to pull over to the side of the road and either finish the song or turn off the, uh, the radio. And it's interesting. It, different types of music sounds very different. My my wife took me to the opera one time and she would pester me and say, what color is this song? They were listening to Wagner, which by the way is very brown. It's a lot of brown and orange tones in Wagner. But whether something like Dead Kennedys is definitely turquoise to,
1: to me. I was going to ask in... The Is there a coalition between, let's be general broad, of easy listening, soft rock, having more pastel kind of colors versus heavy metal, rock, and roll more vibrant, strong primary colors? Is it that simple or is it more complex than that?
0: Sometimes it's more complex. I've found guitars tend to be black like a yeah. very like very contrast black with sometimes a white outline around them when I'm listening yeah. to something like, I don't know, like heavy metal or something like that, but not necessarily the case all the times. I guess the best way to describe it is if you look at a painting and you don't notice the individual colors, but you notice the overall tone of a composition.
2: Mm-hmm. And if
0: you listen, if you look at something specifically, you might say that's red or that's blue. Instruments in general, evoke a specific like color or pattern tone for me and then if I sit there and listen to something this I don't know the saxophone is a is a turquoise or I don't know a pink or something like that and so you can pick it out like that it's hard to explain unless you've actually done it
1: no you've done a great job of explaining it so I'm gonna get back to you being a kid obviously you're a teenager hitting dungeons and dragons other table games but how about Did you go through a pass with the family? And it sounds like with your dad, by the way, I was a military brat as well, Mm -hmm. though. I don't know if he was eh, he had his pluses and minuses. But did you go through the normal kid games, Monopoly, Life, all the or am I just talking as an old guy?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, we we did all of those types of games. We played a lot of card games as well, if you recall.
1: Yeah. Uh, And my dad loved to play cards. Yeah, we would play spades or we would play we'd have a big jar of poke pennies mm-hmm. and we would he would teach us how to do poker oh yeah oh so, yeah
0: we used to do poker trips poker chips we used to have when you're a kid go fish and stuff like that or uno yeah. you remember uno oh sure and then we got into uh hero quest at one point too which is really cool because it actually had the tables or clues another good one that's another good example of that yeah and i guess i've always played like a lot of card games and board games and stuff like that and it just naturally translated when when D and D came about. I, or I, it's been around for a while, but when I yeah. learned about it, then it just was second nature to me at that point.
1: I missed the Dungeons and Dragon bandwagon mostly because I I didn't have any friends who played it. Like I graduated high school in seventy seven. I don't know if it was a thing then or I was just with the wrong kids, and so that's something that I've always been fascinated about, but figured I don't need another, I don't need another obsession. hobby to take t- exactly <laughs> like I'm already podcasting, I'm already reading comic books and novels and watching way too much science fiction and other TV. Though I did went through a spell where I was addicted to Infocom games on the computer. Mm-hmm.
0: It's definitely a time sink, I can tell you that, but it's a delightful time sink. Yeah. Uh, I, I take all storytelling to be just the pleasurable experience of being a kid. When you're playing with toys, I don't know if you have any siblings or anything like that, but if you're playing with your brother or your sister as a kid, telling a story, it's exactly the same thing except using dice to make the actions. And that's I think that's why so many people enjoy it and why it's having a renaissance now. Like lately, it has just exploded.
1: There's a couple reasons. I
0: think the pandemic had a big thing to do with it as well. Critical Role, which is a live play show that Matt Mercer put together, definitely put D&D on the map for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. When you're stuck in your house, the online generation now with the ability to get on a spin up a Discord server or get on a VTT like Roll20 and just chat with your buddies, like all of my friends are married and in various cities and so we just Spin up a game and we talk once a week wherever we are in the US and we're able to play and laugh and make fun of each other. I think that's there's something fun about that. It's like going and seeing a concert, right? Concerts are group events. If you couldn't see a concert, you'd probably watch music, maybe even stream it with your friends.
1: Yeah. I want to go back to you mentioned and You will be surprised how often this comes up. Me and my buddy, we're talking every week anyway. Why don't we just do a podcast? Yep. Let me check it. Tell me a little bit more about how this started.
0: I've been an improviser for about 15 years now. And I do. I did a weekly show once a week in Atlanta. I've done various other comedy outfits. I We even performed some in New York for a brief time and stuff like that. And I've taught okay. improv. And improv, and by the way, improv and gaming tend to go hand in hand because it's both storytelling. You're making stuff up on the spot. But yeah. when we got locked down, all of the theaters closed down. We didn't have a lot of time to do anything, but we had plenty of time to just sit around. And luckily, my best friend lives a few blocks from my house now. And so he'd come over and we'd just mm-hmm. conversate about stuff, talk about the game. We'd just, of course, we were still playing games at the time. Yeah. And we're like, why don't we tell people about it? Because we would we would post online occasionally stuff about our games. And we get a lot of questions. How did you make this campaign? How did you play this character? What do you mean you wrote this, this new rule for the game? And we always tell people, look, they're just rules that you can supersede right so you go back to playing poker right you everybody has house rules for playing card games right right same thing goes for any role-playing game you can come up with some house rules or you can come up with some extra rules or something like that and so we just figured it makes sense to maybe teach people how to play better because it's not about the rules it's about what you get out of it and so That's where the Goblin's Corner came about. We just focused on the thematics, right? How to really, if you're playing a horror campaign, how do you really like beef up the tension versus you're doing a fast and loose kind of fun campaign where everybody's just cracking jokes and breaking the fourth wall?
1: What do you find that are common mistakes or misconceptions that stop people from having a fun ongoing game? There's a lot. I wish there
0: weren't so many. I think some yeah. of the bigger ones are, I have to use this particular game, right? So a lot of people are locked into playing one game or another, and there's hundreds and hundreds of like role-playing games out there that suit everybody's needs. I have to use specific rule set. No, no, Rules are really just for having fun just like any other game. If you're playing Monopoly and you don't have the shoe, doesn't mean you have to throw the game away, right? Go find yourself in the-
1: There are, depend, all the fines go into the free parking. And when you land on free parking, you get that. Yeah. And other people go, no, that's not right. You don't do that, right? Exactly. That's, you know, and it's so it just, if each of these people, you develop your own kind of- things that you follow. And the idea is, I would assume, okay, as long as everyone's on board with what we're going to do, let's go with that.
0: And that's a great point that you bring up as well. And that's one of the third things I would think of is having an understanding amongst everybody that's playing about what this story is going to be about. And we talk in gaming terms, we usually call that talking about having a session zero, right? Just here's what this game is what we're going to play. This is what everyone's thinking about doing. Here's a kind of a general story of what your characters know. And this is what we we think is going to be fun. And then just having a little bit of safety rules. Like I'm not comfortable talking about this type of story, right? Mm -hmm. Something like maybe especially violent, they might not want to know about. Maybe you just fade to black on that instead of actually describe it. And then just people not being assholes also. Well,
1: (laughs) yeah. And and I'm laughing because we – the pandemic ruined it, but for about four or five years, we had a pretty steady poker night mm-hmm. with guys I worked with. And and about once a month, we got together, we rotated, and whoever was hosting bought the food, and it was a lot of fun. And we had somebody come in and played, and after two hands, we said, okay, we're going to stop here this is just an excuse for us to talk, right? This is just for us the chance to vent and to tell stories about work. And I I realize you're going, well, I'm raising and I'm only raising half the side of the pot. I absolutely probably agree that in a proper poker etiquette room, you're not breaking any rules. I'm just telling you how we're going to play. And so I, I just want you to be aware that's the spirit of the game we have. And some of them got it. And some of them are like, no, I I really, I take my poker more serious. Mm -hmm. Then we're the wrong game for you. So I love that idea of game zero, right? Let's set the rules. What are we going to do? And what kind of tone do we want?
0: Yeah. And find out the group that works for you. So you talked about some of those people aren't down with maybe being serious about it. And that's, or some people want to be very serious. Yeah. There's games that people run or that you can run yourself that you can be as serious as you want, right? Mm-hmm. Very, lots of different rules, more war game centric. Like yeah. I'm trying to think of, of something specific, like maybe Warhammer or something like that versus yeah. a ridiculous game that came out of the mind of Terry Pratchett. Like for example, Troika, right? Which yeah. is just just craziness. It's like a Monty Python skit mm-hmm. as a role-playing game. Yeah. And so there's something for everybody and there's groups for everybody too. And that's the fun part about this hobby mm-hmm. like bands right yeah There's different types of people who go to different bands like you're not going to go to a dave matthews band and expect the same people that go see tool
1: yeah do you guys have music in the background when you're playing
0: we yes the mighty d20 has given us an, an intro extra song but in general we usually just chat like you and i are talking about right now okay
1: i didn't know though but when you're playing games is there a soundtrack in the background or oh
0: yes lots of times yes there's a lot of cinematic stuff that yeah. you can find and usually just like the free playlist on spotify is what i grab but my mm-hmm. co-host matt he's a lot more uh, offline than me so he'll actually go find mp3s or cds and he'll have that playing in the background except some ambiance and stuff like that it's really great for like fight scenes So if you're going up against a big bat, here comes the dragon, to use the the normal example. and You have some kind of Howard Shore cinematic music in the background. It just makes everything really cool.
1: That's neat. What you did, we usually, I said when we were playing poker, the host would play the soundtrack, right? Mm -hmm. And one night for fun, the guy who was hosting just had his computer hooked up to a stereo system. Okay, we're going to do round table. Everyone pick an artist and we're going to play three songs of that artist. Then your turn, three artists. And it was really fun because people were like starting about now. Do I want to just pick somebody obscure? Or like, Jesse, you're going to pick Bruce. Oh, no, I think I'm going to pick John Hyatt. And just going to blow
0: gonna, their minds, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. That sounds a lot of fun. What is the connection between storytelling with you? Why improv? Why gaming? What is this desire to tell stories? Where do you think that came from?
0: I think... Storytelling is creativity and play at its most succinct. I think when you're acting physically on stage or you're acting physically in person with someone in a game, or even if you're online, sometimes the act of storytelling just gets all the cylinders firing. It's I'll go back to music for you. It's like being in a concert when you're in a crowd of people, you feed off that energy. And a person who's a storyteller, even if you're just playing a character, even if you're not like being a GM, a game master, dungeon master, Mm -hmm. it's a human element. And it's that's what we live for, is to be connected to other people. And it's a way to connect to someone without talking about, hey, Bill, how's your job? We don't care about that. Let's talk about fighting some crazy undead spellcasters instead or riding a flump.
1: I I don't remember. And it was some kind of game that I was at Dragon Con and it was after hours. And someone we we're you know, a bunch of them are playing board games and other things. And somebody had, and I can't remember the name of it, but it was you drew subjects, actions, ex- situations, and you had to make a story based on and then the other. V- players voted what was the best story and it i've often it was just the people who had it said it was some kickstarter i don't remember how he got it because i was like that was a fun game that was that way you definitely improv where you go hey it's the hulk at a las vegas casino <laughs> and a buffet out of shrimp or something
0: but well, what a great set of inspirations that you can draw from too there's a game called i dark overlord which is a card game and it starts off with one person is the dark overlord and everybody else plays a bunch of goblins Mm -hmm. and you draw from the card and it says why did the dark overlord get defeated and that's the reason and then everybody else is the goblin and they make excuses as to why it everything didn't work and they can have excuse cards. And I think they have cards where you can pass the buck to other people so that, oh, it would be really great. Stephen would know how to you know, just yeah. pass that card. And that's a fun, just real quick game of storytelling mm-hmm. that if you just want yeah. a quick laugh or you're having a couple drinks, that's fun to play.
1: It is. It sounds real fun. So what are some of your favorite musicians? What are some bands that you go to on a regular basis?
0: I go across the map. I'm a kid from the angry white boy music age. So obviously a lot of alternative hard rock kind of stuff, but I also come from like a lot of punks. So Descendants, Dead Kennedys, Ramones, a lot of Black Flag, Fugazi, stuff like that. The Gimme Gimme's, if you've ever heard of them, Me First in the Gimme Gimme's, which is a punk cover band, one of the best punk cover bands ever. Okay, Uh, Rock wise, anything from that you listen on an alternative station like Rage Against the Machine or Tool or. Stuntable Pilots or Disturbed or whatever. My friend back in the day ran a entertainment company and he used to stage raves. So I got into a lot of electronic music as well around that time around college. So I listened to a lot of like stuff like Prodigy, Chemical Brothers and things like that. But again, when you host improv sessions or shows for people in When you've entertained enough, you pick up a little bit of everything. You can hear me listening to anything from like pirate music. My kids love pirate music, like pirate shanties and stuff. So I've got a whole playlist of that cinematic stuff like John Williams or Howard Shore. Yeah. Um, Some classical stuff, of course, like Tchaikovsky Chopin, anything that really just folks, a lot of imagery for me, some rap. I'm down with a lot of old school nineties rap. In fact, I worked in a music station at one point or rap station. I'm sorry, I yeah. worked in a, what word am I searching for? My brain is fried. I worked in a cup for a company that produced music videos.
1: Okay. Interesting. And,
0: and so we got to meet a bunch of nineties hip hop guys. So stuff like like dead okay. press or Cypress Hill or biggie, stuff like that. And then yeah. some random stuff like Gogo Bordello, which is like an immigrant punk style or yeah. Michael Franti, which is very jam bandy and stuff like mm-hmm. that.
1: So what's next for the podcast? What do you want to do next?
0: We would love to actually
1: produce some books.
0: And so we've written about, I think we're at 158 episodes at the moment. And we can teach you anything from how to make a good paladin to, interestingly enough, what kind of music to play at a game. And I think at this point, we've got enough content. My co-host and I've been talking about maybe putting out a couple of books of just some of the stuff we've talked about. Offering it to people, maybe kickstarting it, not really sure, but really just taking it to more people, right? Telling people how to how to make games. We're also coming to a con near you, mm-hmm. which is something we do. We go to Dragon Con every year, and we maybe even be doing some panels at some point soon. Okay. So look forward to that.
1: So my buddy Tom Zoller did a he's an online comic called warning label. And the premise is that a ex-boyfriend cursed the hero of the story and so anytime someone asks her out a warning label of why you should not date her (laughs) comes out and and the premise of the story is she meets someone and they work through all the steps she she could fix it and so hang on just a minute yeah sure okay Okay, All right. Thank you. There you go. So anyway, it's what was fun about it is the main character. It's based in Austin and she worked at a gaming company. And for the point of the story, she had to develop a game and they developed a convention game. Basically, that it's a card game. And you had to get a venue, you had to get guests, you had to do all this stuff. And as he's telling the story, people are like, that sounds like a fun game. Is it, where can I find it? no like, oh, I just wrote the story. But he ended up making the game. And so I, I will send you a link. Because he ended up having to get with somebody who could write games like, okay, let's do this. I love those kind of card games and stuff. I've not gone to much of the role playing anymore just because i don't want the time thing but it is fun to have these cards and to do things what else do you recommend for someone who wants to maybe not go full-fledged into this but may want to enjoy just a some things to do
0: i there's nothing wrong with maybe watching some live plays on youtube or twitch if you mm-hmm. want to learn a little bit about a game, the best thing to do is to watch a live play. There's a ton of them out there, and I can recommend... I'll send you some links on that, Jesse, as well. Okay, good. Card games are always a lot of fun. Munchkin's a great game to play that's role-play light in many yeah. ways because it's a card game, but and you've got like character classes, all the basic rules. Great for kids, by the way, to get them into like D and stuff. But also, you could add a little bit of storytelling element to it. And then there's just a lot of just storytelling card games that you can keep in your pocket or one-pagers that a lot of independent people have produced that don't require rolls. There's a mm-hmm. pirate game, I think, what is it called? I can't remember the name of it right now, where it's literally something you can play just hanging out with your friends, where it's the more ridiculous the action, the more likely it is to succeed.
1: Oh, and how it, funny. And you have
0: a couple of rules based on that, and then you just roll like a D6 to succeed or fail.
1: Neat. Have you read the book Random by Penn Jillette?
0: I have not, but I have met Penn Jillette actually in person.
1: Oh, tell me that story.
0: Going off on a strange tangent here, in college, I worked at a magic shop and okay. sold magic tricks to people, mostly Braves players, because I live in out of Atlanta, and they used to come in and buy all the tricks. And I met a, several magicians over the years, but Penn and Teller came in, and they just ended up hanging out at the store we were at. I. It was in one of the hotels in Atlanta yes. and we chatted with them for a while. Very interesting guys, like very nice, super down to earth folk.
1: Yeah. His latest novel. And the reason I'm asking is because you talked about rolling the dice. It's called random and it is based. The premise is basically this young man his dad has gotten deep into debt, half of a million dollars into debt of a gambler and the a cart loan shark. And the loan shark's gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill your mother, your father, your sister, everyone, unless I get this money. And the he ends up getting the money through something random. He throws the dice, it comes up with the right amount, and he makes all this money. And so then the premise is every major decision in his life. That he is unsure about, he rolls dice to, to discern what he's going to do. Let's like, let us Lady Fate decide his yes, uh, course of exactly. action. Yes. It's a fun book just because all the there's a lot of logic in there and the where you can actually shade part of what you're doing because some numbers are more prone to come up than others on doing it. So, yeah, it's I, I think you'd enjoy it. So, what have I not asked you that I should have, Eric? This has been really <laughs> fun. That's a good
0: question. I think of what else? I think you've pretty much asked most of the stuff. Aside from like where to find me. Let's
1: yes. See.
0: You want to talk about improv a little bit or something like comedy?
1: Sure, sure. Come on. Where when did you start doing improv and what why did you start doing it?
0: Some would say I've done comedy and improv since I was old enough to speak. But I started mostly at, I did some in college. And then after college, I just floated around for a bit. My brother started an improv theater about 15 years ago called the Village Theater in Atlanta. Okay. And when it started, uh, I was one of the first people to go, oh, this is what's missing from my life. And I okay. signed up for that. And it's, again, going back to just pure play, there's nothing better, right? Doing comedy, getting in front of people, saying the most ridiculous things that you can come up with. Mm-hmm. and failing miserably. And this is something, again, that people worry about in terms of gaming as well, but fail spectacularly. If you're going to crash the plane, crash it into the mountain, right? Because there's nothing better than learning from how badly you failed at something to get better at it. I tried several years ago to do an improvised rap and Mm -hmm. I was terrible at it. I was the worst person on the planet to rap. And I was feeling really bad after the show and this guy came up to me, it was somebody in the audience. He was like, man, I got to that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. I could never do that in person. And this guy was a rapper, but he could never just improvise stuff off the fly. And I thought about it. I kind of took that. Away. I was like, so it really doesn't matter how bad you are. People will watch something, which is why they watch our show. But yeah. also it's <laughs> so from that point, I just started getting better at it. And I eventually did a rap show that fun. was improvised. Yeah, we called it Hip Hop Herald, which was fun. And we did an entire Herald, which is just a format of three scenes in a group game and three scenes in a group game. But yeah, I draw from all of that because that's what I love about everything I do as an artist, as a performer, and as a gamer. It's all about learning from your failures and enjoying the
1: ride. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think that is important that We learn more from our failures than we do our successes, which is one of the questions when I used to interview for jobs, I would say, tell me a time you failed at a goal, but it taught you an important lesson. And I think that's really because we trial and error, the error is the part where you learn from, absolutely. So this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate it. This has been great. If someone wants to reach you, how can they?
0: We've got a couple places you can reach us. You can always hit us up on Twitter at Goblin's Corner. And we're also at Goblin's Corner on YouTube. We have a YouTube show every week, sometimes more often if I am feeling froggy. We're also on iTunes and Spotify. You can look for The Goblin's Corner. And, of course, goblinscorner.com for all of the website goodness. And I usually post links to everything like that
1: as well. Okay, good. Listeners, we've got a an incomplete... Eric said he will get back to me on the Mary question. So I didn't want you to guys think I forgot it. They're going to put me in
0: Marie. Marie, (laughs) Jesse's going to put me in remedial education for learning about the boss this week.
1: Yes, exactly. Check out the podcast. Check out Eric. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. I certainly hope that you have a good summer and let's keep me posted on those books.
0: Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Jesse.
1: No problem. All right, listeners, be kind, be safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. There we go. Another episode. I'm about to go through a couple of things where you can reach me and give me feedback. Um, so if you want to skip this, I understand, but I do hope you check it out every once in a while. I'm available on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is available at Set Bruce. You can send me an email, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You can send me a voicemail at 469-249-2442. I am currently doing a few other podcasts, perfectly good podcast, John Hyatt from A to Z, where Sylvan Groth and I discuss every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. My Babylon 5 podcast is Last Best Hope for Conversation where Lou, Karen, and I discuss every episode of Babylon 5 in chronological order. I still am doing Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast with my brother in time, Charles Gaggs. And then finally, How Many Podcasts, the only podcast on the internet that counts where my buddies and I discuss pop culture. You can go to our Patreon page, and support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can go to our Facebook page, like, and please, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a five-star rating and review for all of the podcasts that I'm doing. It's okay if you don't listen to them, but if you subscribe and rate, it really will make my day better. Thank you, and I will talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only Set listening Bruce. The theme for Set and Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission.